How is everyone? How are you guys doing on this fantastic Thursday? I am welcome back to a turn of events where we help put a positive spin on the future of your business. I'm Annette Nath, the CEO and Creative Director of Nath Productions. We are a strategic event production company based in New York City. We specialize in corporate, social, nonprofit, and weddings. We are getting back to live events. We are just so excited. It's really crazy and I'm really excited about it. We're doing some virtual, hybrid, and live. So if you are looking, you still want to do a virtual event, we can help you with that. If you have no idea how to take a live event to virtual or hybrid, please contact us. We'd be happy, happy to talk to you about that and consult you if you just want to be consulted. I also have a Facebook group for event and wedding planners who are looking to start their own business or are struggling in their current business. It is tough right now. I know a lot of my colleagues have lost their businesses or lost, there's a lot of people out there who have lost a job and thought, you know what, now's the time for me to start my business. Event Planner Society, check it out. It's my Facebook group. We have a lot of amazing people in there. You can come in and ask questions. We do live Q and A's, lots of great content in there. And I'm there to help you uh, get started in your business and help you with your struggling business. So Event Planner Society, go to the Facebook group. We'd love to see you there. So today, I have a really special guest, really excited about it, Jennifer Best. Jennifer brings nearly two decades of leadership experience in digital and demand marketing to her role as the head of marketing for AAE Speakers Bureau, AAE Speakers Bureau. Joining the AAE team in March 2020, Jennifer was part of the organization's coordinated and success successful effort to shift product offerings to support virtual events in response to the pandemic. Prior to joining AAE team, Jennifer managed high-performing digital marketing teams in both the healthcare tech and cybersecurity industries. We've done some events for cybersecurity and they are very interesting. So we're gonna talk about what you don't know about hiring a speaker for an event. I've done lots of speaker events and we actually specialize in speakers, coaches, who are speakers, they uh, host their own events and then they sell a coaching program. So one of our niches is in that field. So if you are looking, you're a speaker and you're looking to host an event, take it to a live platform and sell a coaching program to your audience, you we could definitely help you one, two, three day events. Sometimes they get even bigger. So we can definitely help you with that. So reach out. So Jennifer, welcome my dear. Hi, everybody. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me here today. You are so welcome. And I love talking about this stuff because, again, we do have a little bit of a niche in the, the coaching speaker arena. And we're always getting speakers, a lot of speakers at our events. So this is a really great topic. So I'm excited that you're here. I know you have a huge background and you and I have done a clubhouse before, which is really great. If you're looking for a host for Clubhouse, this girl knows how, knows how to host a Clubhouse chat. Let me tell you, it's really amazing. Okay, so let's get started. Please share a little bit about what it was like starting your job in the event industry in March of 2020. Kind of oh my goodness. Wow. Starting a job in the event industry in March of 2020 was just an experience I can't even explain. I'm going to do my best. Um, so... I moved out of state to take a job in the event industry. And it was like the same week that the country and all the states were shutting.
shutting down. And it really was quite a challenge to learn things. I was really fortunate, as you mentioned earlier, I worked in digital marketing for most of my career. And I've worked in the tech industry for a pretty long time. And uh, virtual events were not new there. And so those have been happening for a really long time. And I've attended online summits and other conferences online. And so I felt really comfortable and confident in the concept of a virtual event. And so I came in and at the time I came in, we were maybe doing 1% of our business is virtual. <laughs> and I showed up and I'm like, hey guys, let's be virtual. <laughs> and everyone's like, that's never going to work. I know. Um, but I we- felt the same way. They were like, what? We can't do this virtual. And I'm like, yeah. For sure. So we really, we doubled down on it and we were like, what choice do we have? We really want to see if this is something that can happen for our industry. And we we're really fortunate that it's turned us around. And we really hope virtual is going to be here for a while longer, even when, and as we're talking about getting back into in-person events, hybrid, we think virtual is still going to be out there. So yeah. Yeah. I, my, a lot of my clients who did got the virtual bug, now we're doing, they want to do some virtual. We were supposed to have a, a live event in October and they're like, you know what, we're going to do another virtual. And then we'll move the live to next year. They still have that bug. There's nothing like a live event. We just did a very big live event at the beginning of April. And there were 570 people. It was fantastic. And nobody got sick. It was in Miami. Florida's a lot different right now. But it was nerve-wracking because you start with the masks. It's hard to keep them on all day long. And you're trying to talk to people. And you can't hear each other. And it's a lot, but it was mostly doctors and everybody's vaccinated. So I think that may be a reason why it was um, that successful as far as people not getting sick, but there was parties every night and dancing and all kinds of stuff going on. So I was a little nervous, but we tried to follow as much as we could. And yeah. Okay. So what's the biggest mistake that people make when they are considering hiring a speaker for a keynote? or moderated discussion at an event? Sure, I think the biggest mistake people make is by digging in their heels and having only one speaker in mind. And there are so many talented, yes, there's so many talented speakers out there across a variety of topics and also a variety of budgets. And yeah. I think that when you go in with your like mindset of, I have to have this person at my event, it narrows out a lot of options. And there's a lot of great options out there and names that are up and coming. And so I think that's probably the biggest mistake is that people get set in their mind of this is the person I want and they're not really open to hearing other ideas. And my advice would be to say, to be flexible and keep your yeah. mind open. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's lots of great speakers and so many of them. And, and it just depends. And you also should know your audience because we mm -hmm. hired, it wasn't me, it was someone else that was the client, part of the client. We, they hired a, a, like a keynote with comic that came in and mm -hmm. it was inappropriate stuff for that audience. Eek. And so yeah, and mm -hmm. I could just see the client in them was thinking to myself, thank God that wasn't me <laughs> that hired them, those people. Or I never make the final decision as an event producer. I never make the final decision. I say, here, this is what we, this is what we have. You guys review the materials and if you like it, great. But they should have had a meeting. They didn't get me more involved. They took it. And then they should have had a meeting with the speaker to say, this is our audience. It was a, a mostly Asian audience. And they did a lot of Asian stuff that they should not have done. Oh, boy. I know. Oh. We're just, and I'm thinking, do they not see the audience? Do they not? It was live. So this was a couple, many years ago. But I was just mortified. And I was there and I was thinking, oh, Lord, this is not good. So. You live and learn, but that's how it can happen. Okay, what has been the most surprising thing that's happened in the speaking industry since the pandemic started? 
I would say it's got to be how much technology's evolved. You got you remember this, like early 2020 and everybody was like, let's go virtual and everyone got on Zoom and then you had things called Zoom bombers happening and and nobody knew how to do lighting and how to do camera positioning and I think so much has evolved. There's so many new technology players out there right now and so now those players are looking at hybrid options. And so I think that really has been that's been surprising for me the amount of how fast we've gone and how far we've come in basically a year. Yeah, for sure. It's feel I can't even believe it's been a year. But I'm going to say what I'm going to talk about what hybrid is for a minute in case somebody doesn't know what that is. It is a small event or it could be a live a live event, a larger live event, but you also have a live stream aspect to it. So you have a virtual aspect to it. Last year it was smaller. We had sometimes just the MC or a keynote live and then the rest of it was all recorded and the rest of it was all virtual um, people. Mm-hmm. So there is a live element to it with, with a live stream in it. So we've done so many of those for so many years. I mm-hmm. never think of, it's so natural for us to do a live event and have a live stream. But I find, I used to find that a lot of clients didn't want to spend that last piece of the live stream piece, but it's a different game now. So it's a different thing mm-hmm. and people are not getting out as quickly yet. So for the next few years, I feel like, that's definitely going to be added to their bonus, to their to their budget. So it's definitely something to think about. Okay, so what are you seeing currently as we look ahead into the events during the second half of 2020? Yeah, I think you just mentioned it, Annette. Really, hybrid is what everybody is talking about right now. And there's a couple different ways, and I'm thankful that you introduced what hybrid is and can be. There's so many different ways you can do a hybrid event. And it's just, you've seen smaller groups together in regional locations, that things that are streamed. I've also heard of an example of some odd 20 thousand people viewing a virtual event together, but in small groups, like in churches and in homes. And that's technically a hybrid event too, because you're with other people, even though the content's delivered virtually. And so I think what's most fascinating is how different everybody interprets hybrid as. And it gives so many new ideas and ways people could be thinking about getting their content out to their audience. And also just keeping in mind too, that their numbers are expanding. So you're getting in front of so many more people when you keep that virtual component. Yeah, that's what they like. So mm-hmm. you could have, as far as a hybrid, you could have just an MC on the stage, a host on a stage. You could have your speakers come in only, right? So just the speakers come to the to the live event and then you live stream everybody in. You can have a small audience, 30, 50, whatever that looks like. And then you could have 500 and also stream it. So we had 500 and almost 600 people live but they streamed in about 3,000, 4,000 people. Wow. It, and, it, and you make money. You make, for all of you that are hosting, looking to host events, you make money both ways. You can sell those tickets just as much as you. They are, what I'm finding now is they are selling the tickets the same price as they would be as if, they was, if it was live which is mm-hmm. interesting because you can reach all your sponsors. The way that technology is set up is really amazing now. So that's something to think about. Yeah. And I would just add on to that one, Annette, yeah. is yeah. that um, what we're seeing for speaker fees, and that's part of why you're probably seeing people charging the same amount for attendance, is that speakers are also aware that they're talking to a bigger audience. And so they're yeah. not talking to 500. They're now talking to 4,000. And yeah. so what we're seeing is speakers are, are pricing themselves accordingly based on the number of people they're talking to. So something to think about and budget for. That is interesting, yes. So how are speakers responding to or considering hybrid events? 
Yeah, it's really interesting. Hybrid is very much term that's discussed more in event like event planners and organizers. When it comes to speakers, they're really not necessarily considering presenting as a hybrid. They're presenting either virtually or live. And so it's really more about content delivery and how they're going to be delivering the content, whether they're going on site to present live, that's going to be live streamed, or they're going to be virtual and that is going to be displayed to a live. It's really more about how that content delivery happens versus, and then the audience size comes into effect. So it's been really interesting. There's been, and I'm sure you're having this too. Some of them are really happy to be virtual right now. They're loving not having to travel and they're loving being at home and they can do five events in a day. And then there's others who are just itching to get their their passport out and get on a plane. Um, But it's been interesting. One thing, too, that we're seeing, and I think this is probably more of a product of the pandemic, is people looking for speakers regionally and looking for people so they don't have to get on a plane necessarily to travel. They can drive to an event, which could be considered more COVID, say, not being in a public transportation space. So I think that's an interesting thing to watch, too. Yeah, I think they love that they can just be dialed up from the waist up and <laughs> sit in yoga pants or something. But but there's also something to be said about being on a stage and that energy and working the stage. And we've done lots of events for the different speaker organizations and things like that. And there is something to be said for being on stage and doing all of that. Being a professional speaker seems like such a competitive industry. And I know that it is because there are so oh, yeah there. What makes some speakers more in demand than others? This is a great question. It could be a number of things, really. I think that sometimes if somebody is in, works for a company that's well-known or a brand that's well-known and, or they're in a position of authority, they're in a C-suite for say an Amazon or Google, they're naturally going to get more attention from also people who appear at more well-known conferences. So TED stage is big and popular, South by Southwest. If they've done professional appearances like that, those will be more in demand. But I think first and foremost, it's really important to mention too, that professional speaking is a skill. It's not like somebody wakes up one day and decides to get up on stage and talk. Um, These are people that have worked for years, if not decades, to hone their craft and practice and rehearse, just like you would if you were in an actor or any other profession. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the ones that really stand out are the ones who are really good at um, telling a compelling story. And regardless of it, I think that really stands out. The other thing that happens too, it's this like snowball effect, right? People will speak on a stage at TED and then that raises awareness. And all of a sudden other people are like, hey, that person looks interesting. And next thing they've spoken at Apple or they've spoken at Dreamforce. And so there's the snowball effect in popularity that happens and the speakers get more and more out there. They get requested more and more and then it snowballs. Yeah, if you can get a TED talk, it's definitely uh, put you <laughs> at a higher level because that scares me half to death. I can teach and I love to talk about what I do, but, and I have ta- I've done some speaking, especially since virtual I've had some of my industry colleagues, like I speak at the Event Planners Expo and and I do all that. I speak about stuff. So I do love that. But one of the, we were just, if you're looking to speak, I was on a Facebook group. This is just a little tip. I was on a, in a Facebook group and someone asked, it was in my event industry Mm -hmm. and somebody was looking, they were looking for speakers. And this was an international company that was doing an event for event planners on virtual and how the industry, the six months ago, whenever that we were in the middle of the pandemic. And so I just thought, okay, I'm going to suck it. And I knew I was talking about virtual because I was already moving my clients to virtual. I thought, we'll talk about virtual and what we've done, just my experience and how I've changed from my business from going live to virtual. 
And Mm -hmm. I, they hired, they didn't hire me. It was free, but I got to be an international speaker because I was like on a platform that was international. Mm -hmm. And not only did they have me uh, speak at the event, which was really awesome. It was like a two day event and it was a great, they had, it was really well run so well. I was very impressed Mm -hmm. when you offered these things, how crazy they're going to be. It was done by an event company. So it was really done well. And they used me, they asked me if I could do their promo for them. So I had some, like I was part of their wow. and then they used me in their advertising. And I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't think I was going to get all that, but you just never <laughs> get your email. And since then, I don't know what, I don't know if it's because of that, but I am getting accolades from so many people in the industry, the top 20 planners to, to follow. I just got CBET, which is a really big company in the industry just featured as the top 20 I'm in the top 20 so I was like oh my gosh and someone wrote and said did you see this you never know that you're getting that but that's the thing that's how you create yourself as an expert and getting out there so speaking is super important to do as scary as it is it is as you know because you're in the the industry (laughs) no it's very scary and I think too that's how a lot of people get started but I think that what people just don't really no, is that there's so much that goes into it. There's so much prep. It looks like it's, if it's done really well, it looks like it's so natural and seamless yeah. and there was no nerves and there were no, like, no stress out moments. But reality is that, that this takes years and years of practice to get yeah. to that level. And, and I think that's it. really important. I remember sitting in the audience at keynotes and I've attended a lot of conferences and, and sales kickoffs and I've heard some amazing speakers and just thinking, wow, that looks like a great job. That looks so easy, but it's so not. It's such yeah. a, a skill. Yeah, no, it is. But the most important thing is be yourself. Be if you're talking about something that you really know about. I could talk about events forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about that and just be yourself and be authentic and tell stories. That's the best thing. The storytelling is a big piece of it. So it really is about keeping the audience engaged and telling a great, impelling, a really exciting story, and that will keep them keep them going. So I've learned that from who have coached. I did an event for someone who coaches planners, I'm not planners, coaches speakers on how to be great speakers. So not only was I doing the event, I was listening to all of this. And part of it was like that whole storytelling. So it's really important. Okay. So what are the most popular event speaking topics that get requested? That's a good one. So we do uh, across the board, there's a lot of different topics. I would say the biggest, probably motivational and business and leadership as you would expect, but there are two trends that are happening right now that I think are interesting to watch. The first one is diversity, equity, and inclusion or diversity as a topic also relating into people of color, BIPOC, AAPI, different categories and classifications. And I think what's really interesting is that not only are people discussing diversity as a topic, but we're seeing a range of people getting requested to speak that are of different colors, races, backgrounds, ages, orientations. And so I think that is really where the magic is. It's not necessarily talking about diversity. It's talking with a diverse panel of people and bringing diversity in to talk about say, leadership or motivation. The other thing too, that it's probably not gonna be a surprise is like mental health. And we're all coming out of this socially distanced experience. A lot of people are working from home or have done that for the first time. And there's gonna be a lot of mental health issues that need to be addressed for years to come as a result. And things that normally exist in in the um, 
in the market now, like there's addiction, PTSD, different topics like that um, are always going to be relevant, but I think they're going to become even more important because we're coming out of this stay at home order and we're coming out of social distancing. And so there's going to be a lot of focus in on mental health, I think, coming up and we're starting to see some of that as well. Yeah. Also too, what I'm finding is mindset is big right now because everybody's, their careers got messed up or their businesses are failing and it's just mindset. Motivation is a big thing right now. So we're definitely, I talk a lot about that to my planners and trying to keep their mindsets right and and starting a business is not easy. So it's definitely a challenge. Absolutely. All the motivation you can give and get, and you definitely need to be able to keep sustaining. A lot of people face hardships and losses, and it's important to just not gloss that over. It's important to just address those issues or else it's just going to stay. And so I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how mental health and how we can respond and, and as a country, how we came together and, and continue to do that and support everybody. I think it'll be something to watch. Yeah. I'm lucky to have some really close friends who are experts in that area. So I'm yes. like, I need some help right now. We all go through it, no matter what stage you are in your businesses or even just personally, your personal lives and relationships period. Right. And- it's a struggle. We often think of hiring a, a speaker as bringing someone to do a keynote address or even a moderated, a moderated discussion. What's one way to use a speaker for an event that is not given enough attention? Sure. I think you mentioned it earlier, and I would say that would be hiring a lot of companies and a lot of organizations try to DIY the MC role in their and save money on that. I've seen events where they've done maybe an internal staff member is the MC of the event. And then I've seen events where they hire a professional MC and the difference is notable. And I think the thing to remember is that depending on the size of your event, this is your brand. And so the MC is a face of the brand and you want to make sure that face is prime time and ready to go. And so I think it's worth the investment. And a lot of companies are starting to recognize that too. Yeah. I, I, I highly recommend, especially for my fundraising clients, yeah. <laughs> get an MC in there, get an auctioneer, someone who can motivate and help you raise the funds because it's really, it's it's so important. But I know a lot of great uh, MCs. So if you're ever looking for some <laughs> MCs, Me <too>. um, <laughs> and yes, you do as well. So for sure. Yes. And I want to talk about, so speaking of that, why don't we talk about AAE and the speaking your speakers bureau and why, why are they needed? Why are speaker bureaus needed? Yeah, sure. I get this question quite a bit. Back in the day, let's remember way back in the pre-internet days, you used to have to go down the block to the Speakers Bureau who kept a giant roster of all of the talent that was available. And that was the way you book talent. We're now in a digital age, but Speakers Bureaus are actually really valuable. And the reason is that you mentioned an example earlier where you had somebody, a, a comedian booked at an event uh, talking to a pop, you know, populace and really just missing the mark, right? Um, a speaker's bureau, if they're doing a good job, they prevent things like that from happening. They get to know the client. They get to know the client's preferences, who the audience is, what the topic is. And then they also get to know the talent and they get to know what, you know, is this person really on topic? And not only that, they prep the talent. And so I think that with the Speakers Bureau, there's really a lot of things to know. But I think in general, having a Speakers Bureau is always a good idea because you've got experienced people who are doing this day in and a day out, whereas you're putting on one event a year, maybe a couple events a year, depending on the size of your business. And so I think it's important to have a partner like 
like that, that you can rely on and you can go to and make sure they understand what your needs are. And then you can lean on them. It's just one less thing you have to worry about and they handle it from there. So what, and one thing I wanted to mention about that is if you do get an MC that I wanted to go back to that for a second is meet with them and don't just assume, okay, I need you to come out. You need to have meetings about the culture of your company. What is the event about? What is your goal? And they should, you guys should be, we've done multiple day events and the MCs up there, but if it's a good MC, they're going to meet with you throughout the event as well. Like here's what's happening with the temperature of the room. Here's what I think we should do. So don't just assume that they're going to get up and just announce the next person. There is a strategy behind having an MC. So you really want to think about making sure that if the MC should really know how to hold your hand through the process, just like we do as event producers, but there is a whole strategy around having an MC and just the temperature of the room and the flow of the event and all of that stuff. Yeah. Really important to remember. Yeah. I think that's a really important point. And then the other thing I was going to add too with um, speakers bureau is that speakers bureaus are all different. I think that there is this like shroud of mystery around what a speakers bureau does and they all are different. Some of them um, will have management services. Others will have exclusive representation of talent. Some others will be brought and not represent talent. And so I think it's important to know who you're working with and know what they're about because you're going to get a different result based on which kind of bureau you're working with. But I think we all get lumped in into this like one general generalization of like speakers bureaus are the following. And each one's a little different. Some have different markets. Some specialize in collegiate markets, some in associations. Others are broader and work with a different client base. I think it's really important to like know who you're working with. So you mentioned exclusive. What's the difference between exclusive versus non-exclusive? Can you explain that way? Yeah, sure. So um, talking about exclusivity with regard to talent, when you think about like a talent agency, talent agencies typically sign somebody to be represented by them. And there's a lot of different formulas and, and ways that can happen contractually. Sometimes it is they are represented by them, but they are willing to co-broker that person with other people or have other companies promote them. In other cases, they consider them to be exclusive in that no other company can promote them or sell them or work with them. They are our people only, and we'll do all the work for them. I think that it's important to just highlight that you need to know what kind of agency you're working with, because when some when an agency has exclusive talent represented, the thing that to be weary of is that you may or may not be getting the most like by unbiased. Sorry, the most unbiased. You might want to consider. Um, knowing exactly like if they're representing talent exclusively and you ask them for suggestions about a business speaker, they might be mixing in people who are contractually obligated to be promoted. Mm. And so an agency like ours does not represent talent. We actually consider ourselves to be like the event planners and event professionals partner in this transaction. Our CEO, when we founded the company was very much, he worked in the industry and he was like, it's really not fair. Talent comes into this discussion arrangement and they've got representation, but nobody's representing event professionals. Mm -hmm. And it's a really valid point. And so that's where we focus our energy. And so we partner with event planners, professionals, organizers, and that's where we don't represent the talent, but we will broker the talent and we will coordinate all of those things. I think that's the difference with exclusivity is that if somebody is exclusively listed with another agency, sometimes we can't promote them. And then that really limits their ability to be marketed to our clients. And we work with a lot of clients, universities, and associations. 
So would you only work with the planners or can speakers come to you as well? So speakers certainly can come to us and we definitely talk to them all the time. Yeah. We work really closely with them, but we don't exclusively represent anybody. There are companies out there also that are called management companies and they will maybe manage the scheduling for a talent or something like that. But so there's not only the exclusive or nothing scenario. There's a lot, just a lot of variety out there. And so we work with talent. We definitely try to keep talent information updated, but we really focus our efforts on partnering with event pros. And we do a lot of repeat business because we are able to really understand the clients that we work with by doing repeat business with them and understanding what their unique needs are. And so how do you guys get paid? Is it through the how do you guys get paid? So how does it, it comes in as a percentage markup, which is the industry standard. So the um, speaker will have a fee. There's a percentage markup that happens. And then that's what the final build amount is. And that percentage markup covers our ability to handle the contractual arrangements. So we manage all of the contracts between all the parties. And then we also have a full in-house logistics team. And our logistics team, they're amazing. They will manage the entire engagement before, during, and after. So they are running tech checks. If we're in person, they're actually coordinating all the travel they are on site making sure everything runs smoothly so they're an extension of the team and yeah, so that's what that little markup includes i hate managing all of that well, i have a team that does right that. It's, right. Nice. it's nice to have somebody else manage all of that and these guys are good they really have their they have it down with virtual we all fell into this scenario of okay everybody we're going to do virtual and so a lot of what we were challenged with was getting our people up to speed on virtual ahead of our clients because yeah. just as everybody was trying to figure it out, we had to be on. We had to explain to them, here's how you here's how you record a Zoom. Here's yeah. how you position your camera. And so we started from the ground up. And these guys have done an amazing job with our clients. That's great. That's great. So it's nice to know that we're, I, I did a lot of that myself, was pre the pre-production piece of it was getting on the, making sure their light was right and their face was in the right place of the screen and all of that stuff. And I'm looking at mine now. It's probably down a little bit, but that's okay. I'm not... <laughs> My show, I can do whatever I want. Yes, exactly. All right, this is awesome. Such great information. How can people find you? Oh, you could find me on Instagram. I'm Jen B at AAE. I also am available by email, Jennifer at AAEHQ.com. Or you can visit us online. It's allamericanspeakers.com. That's great. That's great. I'm really excited to have had you on the show. It's been so great. And I'm always looking for speakers. So you and I crossed paths a while ago. So I know <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> our, our clients are getting back into it. So we're really excited about that. So I'm really mm -hmm. excited to have had you. Thank you so much for taking your time. Yeah. You can reach out to Jennifer if you're looking for speakers or if you are a speaker and you can contact her and she get her in her get in her database. And uh, yeah. thank you so much, you guys. Thanks, Jennifer. I'm really happy that you joined us. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.